Welcome to episode 30 of the MLS Net Boys podcast. My name is Jacob, joined by... My name is Chase, and episode 30 is crazy, but we are not stopping. We're going to keep going. Season 1 is almost uh, on the wraps here, you know? Kind of crazy to think about. It's weird, like, we were talking about this before we started last time, but when we started, it was, like, just the weather change and everything. It's been, like, a weird constant throughout this year. It's, like, full cycle, full circle now. Like, it's getting to crappy weather in Oregon again. <laughs> hey, it's sweater weather, man. This is, like, the time of year that girls live for. This is the most overrated season, in my opinion. <laughs> I hate fall. Fall is my least favorite. What makes you hate fall so much? So, because I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a nice season. Like September to me is a great month because it's like so weather is pretty prime. A lot of people, first of all, mention like sports, like NBA, football, like American football starts here. So I don't even want to. So obviously the two prime seasons, in my opinion, summer and winter. You don't like the in between. No, because You're a pretty black and white kind of I'm, guy, huh? I am because fall is like just right in the middle of that. September can be nice. I'll give you that when it's like kind of warm, but like for one, this is when it gets dark, like in the mornings when you wake up, and then when you get back from work, and I don't know, maybe I'm fall in Oregon kind of sucks sometimes. I love the beginning of fall. Like, end of summer, beginning of fall is amazing. Because right now, it's like, I need a sweatshirt in the morning, but by the end of the day, I wish I was wearing shorts. Right now is good. I'll, I'll give you that. But then when it gets to, like, mid-October and it's just rainy and gray, I think that's terrible. So you'd prefer uh, mid-December when it's just rainy and gray <laughs> instead? But then we're that much closer to Christmas. Okay, how about mid-January when it's rainy and gray? Uh, and then we're like three weeks from my birthday, so. <laughs> <laughs> Seems a little selfish here, buddy. <laughs> you know, a little bit. A little bit is my own takes on holidays and stuff. I'll give you that. You know why I hate the winter the most? is Because if I need to get my soccer fix, I'm forced to watch the Prem. I can't tune in to MLS every weekend. I'll give you that. We don't have any yeah. good soccer to watch. There's no good soccer to watch in the winter. You're gonna ruffle some feathers in our group there. I will gladly do that. I our our fan just, group is weird because it's Premier League and USL is where it's at apparently. <laughs> the two extremes. Uh, I used to be like a big like Prem guy. I used to follow it pretty heavily. I still follow it to an extent, but I just don't have nearly as much interest in like watching the games anymore. Um, I understand, yeah, it's a great quality of soccer, but for me, it's just I have to pick one league to focus on if I'm gonna be like investing a lot of time to watch it and i can't invest enough time to watch mls and the prem and la liga and syria which honestly i'd almost rather watch some of those other leagues like syria rather than the premier league it's a little bit more exciting to me i agree i'm just why we love mls you know we talk about it but the competitiveness as compared to other top leagues you can't really beat it, honestly. I think, what, like 11 or 12 champions in the last, like, 14 seasons? Where else are you going to find that? You mean you don't get excited watching Erling Holland score five goals a game and Man City not be challenged for the title really at all? 
You mean that Farmers League? <laughs> Five out of the last six titles? But the excitement of the fact that somebody almost came close to pushing them to not win the title. <laughs> that's that's what we live for. Yeah, so when, whenever people talk about stuff like that or how relegation is super exciting, I, I don't... It's funny to me because all the Premier League fanboys, like, in America, I'm not talking about people who genuinely follow their clubs back in England, but Prem fanboys in America are so annoying. <laughs> talking about how important relegation is when the Man Cities and Chelsea's and Liverpool's they support are never going to be close. They don't feel the pressure of relegation at all. And then these other teams, like, that get into the Prem, they don't even really... Like, obviously, they want to stay in, but with the parachute payments they get when they get relegated, they don't really care too much to go back down because they're still going to get, like, 100 mil the next season just because they got beat up in the Prem for a year. And then also, <laughs> for me, it's really depressing as a fan that you could be a fan of a team and your big accomplishment, like, your big accomplishment for the year is not getting relegated. Like, for the, those teams who are, like, surviving a season in the Premier League is, like, a big deal. And I don't want to minimize that, but I can't picture, like, being, like, a Timbers fan and being satisfied at the end of the year when I got, like, 15th place. You know what's funny is I had this conversation with one of our friends recently who's, like, a big Prem fan. And uh, it was... <laughs> we were talking about the Timbers and, like, how it looks like playoffs are looking you know more and more unlikely and he just kind of had the statement where he was just like yeah well I don't know what I'm gonna do like I guess I'll just not care about the rest of the season <laughs> and I was like yeah dude that's the life of like 70% of Premier League fans <laughs> like you hit a certain point in the year and it's just like well I guess this doesn't matter anymore it's either you're doing that or you're hoping to get seventh place so you can finish in conference league you know what's funny is we always crap on MLS for, like, expanding the league and expanding, like, weird rules. I feel like Europe is going to be the same. They'll just keep expanding these stupid European competitions, and pretty soon, like, 10th place in the Prem or, like, 15th place will be, like, you're in the sub, like, Mediterranean, like... Balkan like, playoff. <laughs> yeah, like, weird, like, competitions that they're just going to invest more and more money into so they can get more money out of it and like stretch these players as much as possible. And I'm going to sound like a, a stupid American, but I think that's most big ups in soccer realizing, wow, like playoff formatted football is like super entertaining and it is money. Obviously it is a big money maker, but why is it a money maker? Because of how exciting and, how interesting those competitions can be. This is kind of off topic. You're, but since you uh, you brought up that playoff soccer is exciting and entertaining, um, if you could implement one rule or one change to how soccer is formatted to make it entertaining to everybody, what would you do? MLS or just in general? Either or. Either or. Because... I kind of got this question recently with like a podcast that Christian Pulisic was on where he was asked like how to get more people to care about it. And he said like, make every goal count as like seven. So I'm curious what your fix would be. I mean, in terms of MLS, I, I love the playoff format. I wish they went back to the two legged series personally. Um, 
like I said, this is going to sound like a, a stupid, corny American thing, and a lot of Euro listeners or Euro snobs back home are going to tune out of this part, but I think playoffs just makes it more exciting, honestly. I would love to see like a big European league adopt some form of playoff. It would be really interesting. I agree. I have a completely unrealistic <laughs> idea. Did you ever play like the original like FIFA Street games? Um, maybe not the original, but I played, yeah, FIFA Streets. So, uh, when you'd play that game, they had, like, a system where, like, when you beat somebody, you gotta take one player from their team and, like, put them on yours. <laughs> I think that would be so fun to watch, like, every game, like, when you win, you get to take one of their players, and then you just, like, offload one of your players onto their roster. You know, I want to change my answer. You know what I really, that's a funny idea. That's, like, a pro clubs level. That would be really funny to watch, because, like, you would end up with these super teams because <laughs> imagine like a like you just do a draft for the Premier League. You redistribute every player or MLS. Let's talk about MLS for the Premier League. You read you just redistribute every player. It's like completely even playing field, and then like Timbers go on and beat like St. Louis, and we're just like yeah we want Jao Klaus. Like give us Jao Klaus. Here you go. Have Diego Gutierrez. <laughs> <laughs> Then it would put so much pressure on, like, St. Louis to have to win their next game. But I, I think that would be really funny to watch, though. That's hilarious. You know what I thought was amazing? The the TST 7v7 uh, oh, yes. soccer tournament. Yes. They're over, or they're winning, or what was it called? That The prize pool? Like, the how much they got? No, it was the, the target score. Oh, yes. How it was, like... At the end of regulation, the target score was one more goal than whatever the winning team had. So, yeah. say if a team was winning like six to three at the end of regulation, it would go into overtime no matter what. And then, since one team had six, it would be first to seven wins. Yeah. And there were some crazy comebacks during that. It was awesome. That's a fun idea that I kind of forgot about. And as a coach, I think I might start implementing that. Like when we do scrimmages and stuff, cause it's always like you just lose track and you're like, all right, last goal wins. But that's a really fun idea. That would be kind of fun to see implemented, like just throughout the regular season that I think would get a lot of people interested in soccer in general. But in a full field game, if you had like an LAFC that's just beating up like a Vancouver, like four two, and then it's like, all right, First to five wins, you could end up with some really long games. But I love that idea. I love that idea. I would love to see like more small tournaments like that. Like maybe some creative stuff. Like instead, like instead of like All Star Weekend being like full like MLS All Stars. Like if you did a small sided tournament where like each team sent like their six players or something. Like do a like a little small sided tournament that's like a week long of just like each team sending their best players for it. I think that'd be really fun to watch. That'd be fantastic. I would love to see some of those weird like pro clubs tournament, like um, I forget what they're called, but it's like the fun mode. <laughs> the arcade games or they, yeah. like, they're kicking it against the wall and like no. tackling each other. <laughs> not, not the Volta stuff. The, <laughs> I forget what they're called, but like there's like a, a survival one where it's like every time the opponent scores, you have oh, to take a, yeah. like a random player gets no put off the field. That would be nuts. Um, 
the long shot cup. I forget what it's called, yeah. but it's like goals outside the box are worth two. They're like headers and volleys. Stuff like that, I feel like for an all-star game or for a friendly type of game would be interesting. I just took a drink, like right after you finished that. Yeah, that would be really fun to watch. You know, MLS needs to get us on the I was going to say. Or USL too. We'll start small. We don't care. <laughs> we'll do some interesting stuff. Crossfire United, dude. Just wait till Salem gets their team. You know the timeline on that, by the way? I didn't see when I saw it would be they're still going to the city for that. Salem, Oregon, rumored apparently to get a USL championship club. Currently, the uh, closest we have is like a USL League Two team, and it's like linked in with the local like soccer club in Salem. Anyways, we got severely off topic from the start after we were just talking about this is going to be like a shorter episode so not at all not at all so getting close to the end of the season here playoffs are playoffs are looming all of these games are becoming very important we were talking about the prediction games we (laughs) we picked the worst games apparently to and we predict. thought they were going to be the most exciting ones. Starting off, the Hudson River Derby, probably the worst one in, in the history of this rivalry. New York City FC hosting New York Red Bulls. We predicted this game. I was wrong. I said New York City would win. Chase was right, but he got the score wrong. He said 1-1. Ended up being nil-nil. I should have known better. I should have known nobody was going to score in this game. This was a terrible game. Like, it's kind of like we were saying. Like the the soul of like both these teams have just been like sucked out of them. Like it seems like both these clubs are just dead right now. And honestly, I'm not too upset about it. Like I'm kind of fine with these two teams being bad in the East. What do you to dive into it a little bit? We won't go into the game, but what does a team like New York City FC or New York Red Bulls do. I think Cities is pretty clear on what needs to happen with them. What does a team like Red Bulls do? To, like, get their fans interested in them again? Just to revamp the club. Results-wise, I mean, they made the playoffs, like, 13 seasons before this, but I can't remember the last time they were seriously threatening. Maybe, like, 2018 when BWP was there? I, I don't know. It seems like they... They have a couple options. So obviously they're they're interconnected with the the Red Bull football group. I think they could go hard and get like very in depth with that style of play because they've kind of veered off from it like a little bit in ways. Um, I honestly I don't know how realistic it is, but I think like separate yourselves from Red Bull group and like maybe try and implement like the Metro Stars again or something like that. I think. That would get people more excited about it. Um, when you have a competitor like like New York City FC in the same area as you, it's so hard to stay relevant when they're bringing in like big stars. I mean, not so much anymore. But I don't know. I don't know what the big solution is, but it just kind of shows how shallow like fan bases really are in the U.S., especially when you're in such like a densely populated area like that and you can't even manage to get more than like 50 fans in your away section. That's the thing. I, I, I completely agree. I think going to the Metro Stars um, branding and separating from Red Bulls would be great. I think it's clear that 
this partnership hasn't really paid the fruits that it should. Anytime I feel like I see a player going between, it's like some B-grade Salzburg like striker, and they ended up doing terribly. But yeah, what if they really tapped into that potential? Um, they've got such a nice stadium too. In my opinion, when that stadium is like packed and full and rocking, it's like one of the best atmospheres in the league. Only problem is that's when they're actually very successful and when it's like a big matchup, which probably hasn't happened in like five years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much freedom they have to do, like separate from the, not so much from the league, but like lower their ticket prices, get fans more involved. Um, I mean, one tactic of like, you know, clubs in like uh, the Bundesliga in Germany is like they have like a lot of fan engagement in like their ownership. Um, which obviously you can't really do with like uh, the Red Bull model. But I mean, getting fans more involved with decisions that are made like for the club, um, it seems as though they've kind of strayed away from like how much youth they've been playing in the past. Just, I don't know. It seems like they've just kind of lost their identity as a club. Really sad. Um, honestly, one of the better, like fan wise, they were never great, but like, one of the better franchises to model yourselves after. They won like three shields in six seasons. We're producing players from their academy. I would, you know, I'm not going to say this for most teams, but I think Red Bulls would really benefit from getting like a big name star player. I was really bummed an MLS team, maybe they did, didn't go in huge for like Neymar. I thought he would have been perfect for Red Bulls. He's a Red Bull athlete already, obviously ties in with the brand. And I think it would have brought, like, or jump-started the fan base in a huge way. And even the team, I think, I don't think it would have been messy in Miami levels, but I thought it would be interesting. That would have brought in a lot of eyes to them. How about I brought up a list of free agents right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle a few off at you from some European teams. Who do you think would be a good fit for... New York Red Bulls. Top one right here. David De Gea. Current free agent. He's 32. I think that would be great, but I don't see Red Bulls doing something like that, unfortunately. I can see Galaxy or LAFC. Jesse Lingard. <laughs> I would love it. He seems like <laughs> he seems like an American boy. Yeah, that's true. I think he would he would fit right in in New York. Uh Eden Hazard. I I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd like that one. Alright, alright. Onwer El Ghazi. You remember that guy? He's only 28. What club was he at last? I believe he played at Aston Villa or West Ham last. One of those purple clubs. He played for Aston Villa in 2022 and then he was at PSV last year. A move like that would be decent. I don't think it would really move the needle in terms that of like screams, like a Colorado or like a random like middle of the country team to me. That sounds more right up the alley. The rest of these are just a bunch of randos. Reggie Cannon is on there. <laughs> um, there's nobody else that I could see bringing fans into the stadium. The way like an Eden Hazard. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. This name that just came up is a a star of the past. 
I want to see if you can guess who he is. He, uh, <laughs> he's won the Premier League once. He has also won the Community Shield a couple times. He's won nearly every trophy that England has to offer. He's a center back, and he's 31 years old. Won the league? Was it with City? Nope. Liverpool? Nope. They're rivals. The rivals of both that club. Both of those clubs. United? Yes, sir. Is <laughs> Phil Jones? Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's bring in Phil Jones to the New York Red Bulls. Get the fans excited about this team again. Some some flashy player, and I hate saying stuff like that for most situations because I think it's just a like a cheap band-aid solution, but I genuinely feel like for Red Bulls it would help the cause. New York City, they just need a stadium. Honestly, they have a decently loyal fan base. They average about 30k, I want to say, in terms of fans, and they it's have a bad. they have a dedicated group. At least that's something they had last weekend. Once that stadium gets kicked in, I believe they'll get more star players. I just think Yankee Stadium is a place that a lot of high caliber names wouldn't want to play week in week out. How about Antoine Griezmann? There's been a lot of smoke to him coming to MLS, specifically Miami. I hope it's not Miami, but he just had a quote talking about the Saudi League, and he talked about how he wouldn't go there and how his priority is to be in MLS, uh, specifically like for his family. And we we've talked about him in the past, and I think he's an LA Galaxy guy. I, without a doubt, see him going to the Galaxy. Is he gonna take old Billy Sharp out of the starting eleven? <laughs> I think Billy Sharp could be a good like impact player for them if they sign him to like another year, but they need a they need a striker they need a flashy name to come in. I think he goes to the Galaxy. I agree. Now that the Chicharito era is kind of coming to a close, you know who would be interesting too? Somebody who is in the headlines for some testosterone usage, Paul Pogba. How about that guy? He screams like. Retire in MLS. LAFC. Yeah. I could see him coming to MLS, but at the same time, he also just... I would almost feel like he would choose the Saudi League over MLS. He seems like a guy who just cares more about, like, a huge payday, and I don't think MLS cares enough about him to, like, give him that kind of money. Like, I think MLS is kind of past, like, splashing a bunch of money on a player of, like, his caliber. You don't think he'd line up in Portland next to Christian Paredes? and No chance. On the other hand, though, how about Kareem Bellarabi? Ultimate team legend back <laughs> in the day. 96 pace. That's a Houston Dynamo just bombing up and down the pitch. There's, Not really. There's a lot of interesting names from Europe that are free agents right now that I could see actually coming based, to MLS. Based off of our talk last week about random forgotten players from Europe who played in MLS that were pretty notable, but you don't remember playing. Montreal Impact, any one of those players. Danny Rose to Montreal Impact. Can't you see that for like one off season and then he just retires or you just never hear about him? Or how about the British Ricky Pooge, Maddie Longstaff, just <laughs> released from Newcastle. He's only 23. He's got his whole career ahead of him. I could see him just partnering up with Jack Price. I keep going back to Colorado because they need something. They're just the boat of the joke. They need something, but I could see him 
revitalizing his career in the championship instead actually <laughs> low-key though i'd love to see mls start going for those types of players like lewis o'brien at dc kind yeah. of in a, it ended up in a pickle of a situation uh with this club came to dc for about six months back to england so yeah i would i would love to see that as well go get those guys over there that are kind of in a weird in-between year in their uh, career and get the most out of them while you can anyways that's a good steep turn away from the actual so it's been 25 minutes and we've (laughs) talked about one game (laughs) next up atlanta united hosting inter miami atlanta wins 5-2 miami loses their first game in the messy era messi wasn't here though he was eating terrible pizza back in miami (laughs) did you see that picture yeah see the picture that uh atlanta posted or some atlanta fans posted about uh it was like a picture of a pizza that just had an L on it for Messi. In tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that looks like a terrible pizza that it was eating, but Atlanta's a good team. I mean, they're kind of rediscovering their form. Um, they've kind of rebuilt themselves the second half of the season, so I, I expected it to be a good game for them. And then when I saw that Messi didn't travel, and instead he was just on the sidelines at like a, his son's academy game, <laughs> uh... I, you know, I didn't have much hope for Miami here, so I'm glad we didn't predict this game because I would have predicted a Miami win if we did. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it exposes, you know, a little bit of what can happen to Miami because Gonzalo Pineda was asked, I think at halftime, I think it was full-time, if him knowing Messi was out for the game affected his game plan, and he said no. Because Messi was only, you know, discovered to be not going, like, the day before. Um, and we've seen they've looked shaky at times in the back, but they just haven't really been punished by a lot of teams. I know Dallas put four goals on them. Teams have scored on them. Atlanta just piled on on them. So, true. especially... To, to, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair here, uh, I mean, obviously they <laughs> That was like the worst mistake you could make in podcasting right there. Uh, to be fair, Atlanta didn't have, or uh, Miami didn't have Messi, and they left Jordi Alba out of the equation here. Um, my thought, just looking at where they're at in the standings and the games they have coming up, like Atlanta's way out of their reach. I think they looked at their games coming up of like a Toronto. Um, they have Orlando, who's, you know, further up than uh, Atlanta. But then they have New York City, Chicago, um, Charlotte twice um, to end out the season, which are all teams that are much closer to them in the standings. So they probably thought, if we're going to lose a game or we want to rest these guys at some point, now's the time to do it. Rather have them for the games where we have teams that are way closer to us in the standings. I feel bad for Miami, though, because... Bill Tuiloma is going to be ready for that back-to-back. Bill Tuiloma is going to be lights out. They're going to they're going to give away an easy free kick on top of the box, and he's going to smash it like top right to knock Miami out of playoff contention. You, I would, you know, I would love to see that. I think this is so annoying, but you know those like those people on Twitter who are like pissy. They post all those memes making fun of him and hyping up Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Picture if that actually happened and Bill Tuiloma became like this cult hero <laughs> because he knocked Messi out of the playoffs. 
he knocks Messi out of the playoffs. Corey Baird knocks him out of the U.S. Open Cup. The Crab Man himself scores on <laughs> Miami in the, the final, which is this, not this upcoming Wednesday, the next Wednesday, though. Yeah, that'll be a big match when we get to that. Uh, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see Houston in, like, a cup final like that, taking on Messi with all the spectacle. Yeah. Um, two games we're not really going to cover in depth. We predicted both the Charlotte hosting D.C. and Montreal hosting Chicago. We were wrong with both scores for both games, for both of us, and both games were nil-nil. I feel like D.C.'s drawn nil-nil, like, three games, like, the past... These, uh, so for a little, uh, context here, uh, these teams are all like right around that, like last, like playoff spot. So Montreal is in eighth, DC in ninth, Chicago in 10th, Charlotte in 11th. So these two games had huge playoff implications and like both teams or all four teams just did not show up. I expected both these games to be extremely exciting. Um, I know when you're kind of chasing those those spots, you kind of tighten up a little bit defensively. But, man, was that just so boring. So boring. I hate it. I hate that those are the games we predicted. Yeah, not much else to say. Just, uh, yeah, like you said, we thought we, teams would be going all out, throwing numbers forward, you know. Teams need points, especially with Miami creeping up on their backs. That didn't happen. However... All the fireworks happened in this game. Orlando City hosting Columbus. Another prediction game for us. I said 1-0 Orlando, so I got the result right. Chase said 3-0 Columbus in Orlando. And Chase was right about one thing. Columbus scored three goals, but Orlando won 4-3 at home. I was a little bit closer in the fact that I thought this was going to be an exciting game, but... Man, Orlando, with what a comeback. 3-1 down with, what, 18, 20 minutes to go? I believe so, yeah. And they scored they scored a few late goals here. But, man, yeah, what an exciting game from them. Yeah, Columbus. Like, their home fans as well. Columbus gets Gressel and Rossi, their two summer signings on the board, but Orlando just storms back. Crazy atmosphere, it looked like. Puts Orlando in second place by themselves. Um Eight points off of Cincinnati. Probably won't catch up, but, man, pretty impressive. Columbus drops down to fifth, actually. Yeah, that would have been a huge win for Columbus had they won that because they would have jumped up into tied in second place with New England had they uh, they beat Orlando there. What's the Orlando City-Columbus Derby called? Can you think of a single player who's gone between those clubs? Justin Miram. Didn't he play it already? Yeah. Well done. This guy's on it. I knew that off the top of the dome. (laughs) Next up, Philly hosting Cincinnati. A 2-2 draw in Philadelphia. Philadelphia goes up 2-0 in the first half. Cincy, however, storms back. Two goals in the second half. It ends 2-2. A point apiece. A couple red cards at the end of this game, too, that could... Hurt both these teams going forward. Uh, Jack Elliott, red card in the 94th minute for Philadelphia. Uh, Yerson Mascara, yellow card or red card in the 83rd minute. So both teams uh, losing defenders that uh, 
they may need going into their next games. I haven't looked at who they play next. Yeah, same here, but how about Cincy on the road? And, like, let's keep in mind, too, Pat Noonan, you know, former Philadelphia coach for, like, four seasons. Ray Gaddis, big Philadelphia guy. You know, they have a lot of Philadelphia influence in Cincy. And they pay him back by scoring two goals in a comeback on the road. Hey, you love to see it, and it kind of seems almost fitting with the season that Cincinnati's been having. Um, Philadelphia is still a great team, but they haven't been as like lethal this year as Cincy has. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they're still chasing that points record, I believe, right? I think they're still on track to get it. So, just seemed fitting. Like it didn't really surprise me when I saw that they they picked up those points late. All this, too, without Brenner, who they let go in June, I think. And, man, can you imagine if he was there as well? It would have been crazy. That's true. That's true. He was lights out for them last year. Toronto FC hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. Vancouver wins 2-1 on the road. Brian White proving the haters wrong. I remember last week I was talking about how he wouldn't be the number one guy for a cup-winning team. He's been pretty good for him. Brian White is, in my opinion, top 10 striker in MLS. It's not a very exciting opinion, actually. So, one of the, so better than the Colorados? Better and... than half the league. No, um, in all seriousness, though, he's he's a really solid striker for them. Like a, a great pickup um, guy that can, I think can lead the line for a few more years because he's not like exciting to the point where somebody from Europe is going to like swoop in and try and pick him up but I mean actually I don't know with Vancouver's uh, European transfer record <laughs> somebody might come swoop this guy out of nowhere <laughs> right before we recorded this I just saw a random headline and clicked on it and Jacob and I were looking at like most European transfers from MLS clubs and Vancouver leads the the league with like 103 total transfers to Europe in their history. And I think the next closest was 61 or something from Chicago. So weird, weird niche fact about Vancouver that I would have never expected, but you better bet your bottom dollar. We're bringing that up next time those two teams play each other and we predict the game. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see a niche MLS stat like that. I was looking at Brian White's stats in Vancouver. This is his third season here. Doesn't really feel like it, but scored 15 goals in about four total years in New York Red Bulls. Kind of swung between USL between that, so he wasn't playing every single game in New York. But comes to Vancouver, scores 12 goals his first year. And I remember he started out pretty lights out, but then last year, only four goals in the full season. He's got 10 this year with about... Nine games left to play, I think. Wasn't he injured for a good portion of the last season? He made 26 appearances, so he missed about eight games. Okay, so just not not a huge amount, but about a quarter of the season, maybe. Yeah, he's been really good for them this year, but Vancouver's also been really good this year. We, we were joking about it earlier, but they are like comfortably a top-half team now. Um, they're on 41 points. It looks like they have playoffs just about wrapped up at this point. Um, now it's just a matter if they're going to maintain that top four spot or not. Do you think they're a dark horse team? Cause I feel like we've been kind of talking 
Like, people have been saying things like that about Vancouver, you know? I don't at all. I I think a good season for them is getting into the playoffs. I think they'll just absolutely <laughs> choke in, like, a, a playoff setting. I agree. So, I don't, we're on the same page Yeah, here. I don't think they're going to do much when they get into playoffs. I think they're going to have, like, the... Uh, I think Vanny Sartini's gonna have the like the Pep Guardiola syndrome where he like overthinks stuff and like tries to change it too much and then they just get demolished. They picked up Junior Hoylet, Canadian international. That was a weird longtime Premier League player over the weekend as a free agent. That was a weird signing. That moved the needle for you? Not not at all. <laughs> Next up, FC Dallas versus Seattle Sounders in Dallas. A 1-1 draw. Point apiece. This did not help the Timbers at all. I love seeing Seattle not get results, but we almost needed them to get a result for us here. I'm glad they ended up tying, but yeah, this is like one of the few times I've ever rooted for the Sounders to win a game. And man, Jordan Morris at the death. 97th minute, I think. An opportunity to shoot past the keeper 1v1. He had a defender there, and it was a tight angle, but he squares it instead to try and get it to Nuhu, who scored, like, what, one goal in eight years in MLS? The but, Alvis Powell of, of Seattle. <laughs> hey, New, hey, Alvis Powell had some bangers for Portland. <laughs> um, but, yeah. That's, dude, that's such a horrible feeling when your club is in such, a, like, a low state that you have to root for your rivals to get results <laughs> so that you can bump up the table a little bit. Yeah, and the draw helps because if Portland wins, they will creep above into a playoff spot still. But it would have been better for Portland. Now I don't have to root for Seattle for a while, so I'm <laughs> I'm glad regardless of that game is over. Houston Dynamo hosting St. Louis, and this is two teams Chase hates right off the bat. I really don't like either of these teams. <laughs> The one thing I like about St. Louis is I actually like their stadium and their fan base a bit more. St. or Houston, dead fan base, just dead stadium, terrible field. I I don't like Houston that much at all. Their their stadium actually looks kind of cool, and it's a shame they don't pack that thing up. But at least in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. Houston though, forty points on the year. Uh, Comfortably mid table. Um, Real quick, who would you take, Corey Baird or Evander? It's <laughs> a foolish question. Obviously, Corey Baird. <laughs> oh, I love that. Anyways, yeah, exciting one-one draw from these teams. Corey Baird actually finished off a nice team goal. It was well worked in and around the box. Uh, a shot gets chipped. Just past the far post, Corey Baird is lurking, heads it in. And then a typical St. Louis goal in the second half, just a shot hits in the box. Steve Clark, Houston goalkeeper, saves it. Jeff Klaus is right there, and he heads it in. I think his first goal since March, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Klaus. I, scoring the most Jeff Klaus goal. I believe he scored last week, though, as well, on his like first return, didn't he? I think this is his second goal. In two I think games. you're right. But yeah, just a Jao Klaus goal. Um, Corey Baird, I'm a little bummed he's not doing the crab celebration anymore, man. 
League's not ready for that. He's saving it for Messi in the in the Open Cup final. And the Open Cup final is gonna bust this out. I hate that. That's the that was like the nail in Coach Gio's coffin. <laughs> so many so many great moments from Timbers coach Giovanni Savarese, and it ended in a hot, humid night in Houston. It ended with a with a twenty seven year old American reject. He's twenty seven. He's twenty seven. Jeez, I thought he was like twenty four. No, he's twenty seven year old American player. I don't think he has really any caps with the national team. I know he's kind of bounced around a bit recently. Houston, LAFC, Real Salt Lake. Yeah, kind of weird he was at LAFC. That's really weird to think about. Yeah, he has four appearances with the national team. Surprising. Love it. Get him out. Get him on there instead of Gio Reyna. What is this team? I'm looking at the team he started with in the PDL. The Burlingame Dragons. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Burlingame. It's like Berlin game. This is weird. I love finding the weird like niche teams in the the Corey Baird pack to grow. <laughs> Next up, oh man, I'd love to get him on the pod. Corey Baird, yeah. <laughs> After you called him an American reject player, yeah, dude, I still have respect for him. I was thinking about this the other day. You, you burnt a lot of bridges that we might have. <laughs> if anybody, if we ever try to get a big interview, Chase hates on half the people we talk about. I hope everybody knows. I, I talk a big game, and I hate on a lot of these people, but I have respect for him. Taylor Twelman, I, I remember you just saying straight up last week, I just don't like that guy. <laughs> I know it's funny, as I was thinking about that when I was driving, like, after that podcast, and uh, I was like, it's really funny I say that, because if I probably saw him in person, I'd be like, oh, it's Taylor Twelman, like, I'll get a picture, this is cool. But, like, meanwhile, like, in that moment, I wouldn't be thinking, like, I hate all of the takes that you've ever had on TV. Like, you just make the worst possible takes. Like, you're just, you're like a wannabe, um, what's his name? Stephen A. Smith? Yeah, he's a wannabe Stephen A. Smith for soccer. Like, him and Alexi Lawless both try and do that, and it just makes me so frustrated. Yeah, I've got my thoughts on them. It's just funny to me when when I hear other, like, MLS sources. It's weird. People who talk MLS, I feel like, are usually pretty, like, supportive, like, of the league <laughs> as a whole. They don't really talk Not trash me. on their own. It's, like, MLS versus, like, Euro snobs in terms of American soccer. Chase just goes for everybody in sight. <laughs> Except for Keegan Hughes. Keegan Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of the authenticity of, uh, you know. Of a non-partnered <laughs> podcast. Yeah, like, I could say whatever I want about who I could... Talk about a, uh, you know, Latino Slytherin or Taylor Twelman or the Payaso Show. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> the Latino Slytherin, yeah. Tia Almeida. Yeah, I can bring that guy up whenever I feel like it. <laughs> that was one of the great quotes from uh, season one of the MLS Net Boys. Oh man, that was like episode six. That was early on, early on. It might have been during like our first couple episodes when we were previewing teams, like yeah. we were talking about Lucci. I think uh, so, yeah. Joining the helm. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Big Midwest matchup. Minnesota United hosting Kansas City. And none of these teams want to help out our Portland Timbers. Kansas City wins late on the road because Timo Pukki cannot finish a chance in the box, apparently. Did you watch this? No, I didn't. I have no interest in Timo Pukki's career in MLS. 
So yeah, 1-0 Kansas City on the road, 84th minute. A nice goal by Gotti Kinda. But yeah, SKC goes above the line now. Ninth place. They've had they've got one more game played than pretty much every team below them. But And they're right behind Minnesota as well now. They're only two points behind. So on one hand, it's kind of nice because it puts Minnesota almost in touching distance for some of these lower teams for a Dallas, Austin, Portland, uh, Kansas City, obviously. Um, but yeah, Pookie, he had one where Reynoso like made the defender, like cut it in the box, and then just like put it right on a platter, like a 45 angle for Timu Pookie, shoots it right in the middle of the goal, and Kansas City goalkeeper just dives and saves it. I don't remember the exact record, but have you seen, like, Minnesota's home record this year? They've been really bad at home, actually. I, haven't, I think they've won only, like, three games at home this year. Nuts. Yeah, three games at home. That's Eight insane. losses. That's insane. That reminds me of that season where the Timbers couldn't win a game away. All season long. Classic Timbers. It's like every other year. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um... Anyways, shall we move on, or do you have anything more to say about Minnesota and no. SKC? Let's move on to what this show is really about. Should we save this for last? Because yeah, we're going to get in the weeds we'll skip, with this we'll one. We'll skip back. We'll go to two other teams that don't deserve too much coverage, but LAFC putting the beat down on LA Galaxy 4-2. Dennis Buonga finally scores a goal again. <laughs> back in the... The golden boot race after scoring a brace in this game. This was a crazy game. Uh, LAFC took the lead multiple times, and Galaxy fighting back hard. Billy Sharp, I think, scored on the kickoff immediately after the first LAFC goal. And, yeah, it was it was a close game. KG, like you'd expect in El Trafico. LAFC and or LA Galaxy just hanging in there. And then it happened. Remember when I talked about Chris Mavinga and he was like Mabiala's brother, pretty much? I don't mean this in any disrespectful way. Which is, this is just banter. But Mabiala, Timbers legend, very accident-prone when it comes to defending. Well, I called Chris Mavinga his brother, and he had a very, very shocking pass to to Dennis Bawanga, pretty much. Slits him through on, through, through on goal, Bawanga pounces, and game turns on its head. LFC adds a second. It's 4-2. Man, that is so unfortunate. That is so unfortunate. But that poor guy, too. He posted on Twitter even. Uh, excuse me. He posted on X. And he he put out there that, I'm just so sorry for this mistake. It's on me. And oh, there's just a whole bunch of LFC fans in his mentions like, thanks, you were our best player last night. Oh, <laughs> man. The the ups and downs of being a professional soccer player. Man, how do you think uh, Will Ferrell feels after that? Better than he did in Portland last weekend. <laughs> kind of weird he was in Portland last weekend, but cool to see him at like a McMinimins doing stand-up. <laughs> That's the most Portland thing I've ever heard. I think it was funny, too. Like, seemed like nobody believed it was actually him until he was like, up there talking on stage and he was like reading his stuff from his phone like straight up he was reading like family text messages what a weird guy um not great at stand-up but man is he funny (laughs) anyways (laughs) back to the game here 
LAFC kind of looking like their their old self again, but I don't know. It's they're in a weird state right now. LAFC is in a really weird place. Puts them in third place or puts them in second place. Sorry, um, ahead of Seattle. However, a game less played. Vancouver's creeping behind them. They could catch up if they win their game in hand. But honestly, six points off the of first place, LAFC. They play St. Louis next or this weekend, so... Actually, on Wednesday. On Wednesday. I was just about to say, they have a really tough schedule coming up. So they play St. Louis Wednesday, Philadelphia Saturday, and then they play uh, next week after that. They play Salt Lake, then Minnesota, then Austin, then Vancouver to finish the season. That's so, a gauntlet of stretches. Yeah, they have some tough teams. And they play Minnesota in L.A., so Minnesota's going to turn up for that game because if it was in Minnesota, that's a walk that's a walk in the park. But they play Austin away in Texas, and then they finish the season away in Vancouver. So pretty, pretty difficult schedule. I think this next three is going to be really hard. The St. Louis away, Philadelphia away, and then hosting uh, Real Salt Lake is going to be tough for them. Is it just me or, they pay, or do they play Philadelphia like three times a year now? Feels like it. Feels like the uh, league is kind of fostering rivalry for viewership there. Which is funny because normally... Next year they're going to play Miami three times. They Yeah, right. They only make... So you play the opposite conference teams like three times. Or you play three games. Yeah. And it's against random teams. There's no fluid way they compete this. They just say, oh, you're playing Montreal, Nashville, and Charlotte this year. Yeah. Silly. Anyway, our second to last game, the San Jose Earthquakes finally win a game, two one at home versus a good Salt Lake team, and Ebobasi gets off the mark yes, after a sir. while as well. That puts them even at forty points with RSL, um, six and seventh place in the West. You already know I was hyped for this Jeremy Ebobasi show to hit the road again. What, his first goal in, like, three months? <laughs> <laughs> I just looked him up, and when you type in Jeremy Abobasi, the first thing that comes up is Jeremy Abobasi neck. That was, like, concussion protocol thing? Yeah, it was, like, weird neck brace thing he watches. But, no, this is a great result for... Uh, great win. For San Jose. They really needed this to kind of help them avoid dropping down into that wild card spot. Their form wasn't great before this as well. They haven't looked like themselves like at the beginning of this season. Yeah, but this gives them a little bit of breathing room, honestly. All these teams below the line, minus Colorado, breathing down the necks <laughs> of those final playoff spots. But, yeah, solid. Another game I wish RSL pulled out in, in terms of a, a Timbers result. Yeah, this is definitely a game on paper you expected RSL to pull the win out here with how they've been playing this year and how they look different since getting uh, Chicho Arango. But Jeremy Abobasi decided to show Chicho Arango what a real class MLS striker looks like. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, the headlining matchup, Colorado Rapids at home taking on the New England Revolution. Taylor Tolman was mentioning on another broadcast, this is the... This is the matchup of two teams who are just in a frenzy right now in terms of FO, fan base. Who do we even focus on? It was a 2-1 game. We Colorado were, Rapids won. We focused on Colorado the past three weeks. So maybe, maybe, we, maybe we brush over them and, and talk about 
New England a little bit. So Bruce Arena's gone. We talked about this last week. And his assistant coach, Richie Williams, took over. Seemed normal, right? Apparently not so. Richie Williams was on the job for approximately a week before players stopped showing up to practices. So there's been, if you don't know, if you're listening for the first time, yeah, Bruce Arena is put on leave for about a month and a half, almost two months, I want to say. And they gave a very cryptic reason why. They said there was workplace, like, abuse or something like that. And they didn't really explain why to the fans, apparently to the players. A lot of the players have been left in the dark. It's come out. And so they've had an interim coach. And then at the end of a game last Saturday, they announced Bruce Arena wasn't coming back. It's just been a weird, it's such a weird just mess that is happening happening in New England for a club that's been so successful over the past few years. Bruce Arena's had the team be really successful. They've made a lot of money from player sales. They've been really smart. Um, they're still bringing in that, that new goalkeeper. I can only imagine what he's thinking, like what situation he's gotten himself into. Um, but yeah, they, they officially announced Bruce Arena isn't coming back. And then uh, now Clint Pay takes over the team because uh, Richie Williams, his future role is TBD. So he's getting the Bruce Arena treatment all of a sudden. The rumor was was that before any of this happened, so these are Bruce's guys, right? A lot of these people in the in the FO on the coaching staff, they've been with him for a long time at different places with the national team, with the Galaxy, I believe. And apparently Bruce Arena told some members of his coaching staff that they wouldn't be returning next year. This is the rumor. And so a lot of people think it's an inside job that Richie Williams then started to report these things happening because he knew he was going to be in a job. If Bruce Arena was there, he thought he could maybe get in a better position. Killed some bridges, apparently. I don't know if this, any of this is true, but... Well, it, it would make sense because uh, apparently other assistant coaches like uh, Shalry Joseph and Dan Vandenberg uh, walked out of training like multiple times just while Richie Williams was in charge. So mid-training, they just left. Players have also um, not showed up to training or have left because they haven't been given, like, really any information on what's going on. They didn't know what, like, what exactly happened with Bruce Arena. They're, like, left in the dark just about as much as the rest of us are. Um, so just a, such a weird, amazing, weird thing. New England, uh, Shari Joseph, uh, assistant coach, uh, also, like, resigned, too. Like, when, the, in the midst of all this. Just pulled a Carlos Lamosa and left the club. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pull right there for any of you MLS freaks. Um, just crazy. Crazy that there's no transparency. Uh, I think he's become, like, technical director, but Kurt Anolfo, since Bruce Arena has left, he held a press conference finally, and he just pretty much said, like, yeah, people need to stop talking about all the baloney out there, but then didn't actually, <laughs> like, address what was actually happening. So a lot of people think there was some resentment from, yeah, Bruce not taking on these guys into the next season and maybe cleaning house and maybe a bit of a revolt from the coaching staff. Who knows? Either way, it's messy. Oh, man. I love it. 
I love it so much. I love, I just, so, I mean, it's not my club, Dude. so I don't care as much. Um, I do feel bad for New England fans, but also it's a little humbling for them. You know, they've had a really good club for a while. I feel bad because they didn't have a lot of support like five, ten years ago when they weren't doing so well. Um, but man, it's just chaos. And I love seeing chaos happen in this league. It's so fun. Does it need, do we need the drama? I think so, yeah. Imagine if it was just status quo or if it was just like uh, Bruce Arena has been let go and that's it. That would be so, it would be not fun to talk about. It'd be so boring. Um, I, I love this because my mind runs wild of like what Bruce Arena did because just knowing what kind of character he is, it's just, I feel like it's something probably not that bad, but also could be. Did you see your favorite guest on MLS 360, Kaylin Kyle, um, actually was like suspended from her job, um, from appearing for a little bit. She was back yesterday, um, maybe a little bit before, but she was gone for a bit because... She was suspended for, like, talking about this whole situation. And she said on a different podcast, Bruce Arena made racially insensitive remarks. I don't know if there's any truth to that, uh, at least in in terms of confirmation. So they suspended her. It's been a whole mess. Yeah, I have a hard time believing those allegations from a guy that's, like, coached for so long and has never had anything like that, like reported or he's never had any allegations in the past like why would he all of a sudden when his team's doing really well and he's in like a great position like start doing that it's just weird i agree um i think until some proof comes out yeah they need to people need to exercise caution she probably heard that from her father-in-law since that's where she gets all their information and her job opportunities (laughs) chase is not the biggest uh (laughs) i'm gonna burn some more bridges we probably won't have her as a guest on here, but that's all right. <laughs> um, you know, moving on, brighter days in Colorado, at least for this night. <laughs> Colorado won 2-1 over the ribs. Put them up to a whopping four wins on the season. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's funny. New England would have clinched the playoff spot winning here, but Calvin Harris, not that Calvin Harris, but Calvin Harris forward for the Rapids scores to – Gets the game winner um, for the Rapids. However, Colorado supporter section, C38, does a walkout. They had an official letter towards the team and FO pretty much demanding, this is not acceptable. Our club, our stadium, our results, the roster we've been given, top to bottom, we're not being treated like a modern MLS franchise. I would agree. Um... And they, they did walk out on the 20th minute of their game. The supporters group left, and they had a big, like, I don't know if it was a banner, but there was something, like, left in the stands where they normally occupy, and it said, like... I, I know what you see. It's, uh, it says, the badge, the players, the fans deserve better. And they're not wrong, honestly. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate Robin Frazier got sacked, and I feel like the fans probably agree. Like, it's just... It's a little unfortunate, and I'm glad that the fans see it and they don't just have, like, this blind, like, loyalty to the club um, just to go along with whatever the FO does. And we've seen, too, the Galaxy has done similar things, and it kind of forced them to clean house with uh, Chris Klein, former president, 
maybe this uh maybe this pitches some waves with rapid supporters because we've talked about this a lot recently but they just need a whole just overhaul from their roster you know who i completely forgot they picked up we were talking about players that you know you could kind of build around and make out of a team they got andrew gutman from atlanta yeah. united which is a solid pickup for them they got him a couple months ago yeah solid left back have him on one side keegan rosenberry on the other that's a ninth place team if i've ever seen one <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we won't go too much more into the rapids but yeah good, good for the fans for like like you said not being complacent all 38 of them at the end of the day we're <laughs> that's mean that's just mean <laughs> we have no reason to, to turn on rapid supporters what have they ever done to portland i remember actually a game <laughs> where they were destroying Seattle at home. It was like 5-1, to one, and it was the Dylan Powers, Deshaun <laughs> Brown, Oscar Pereja era in Colorado, and they were just dumping on the Sounders, and the Rapid supporters group were just chanting, Portland's better towards the <laughs> Seattle players. I love that. I, I don't hold any ill will towards the Colorado Rapids. It's just kind of funny to, to laugh at. It's unfortunate. I feel bad for them. Their their fan base, like you were saying, their supporters group, they have every right in the world to to you know, make these displays and have these walkouts and demand more from their team. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm all for being loyal to a club, but if you're spending money, spending time, resources on supporting this as a hobby and your team isn't doing anything with that. They're they're being complacent. They're not getting any results. They're not making any big changes, it feels like. Why would you be inclined to just do the same thing and give your money to this club over and over and over again? I agree. I agree. Next up, one last story. CF Montreal was in the news. Did you see why? I'm not sure why. Matko Milcevic if I'm pronouncing that correctly, was signed to, to Montreal two years ago. And this was supposed to be an Argentinian midfielder who, you know, wouldn't be like the guy, but he's supposed to be a decent piece for them. He was upset with his lack of playing time. So, you know what he did? He enrolled in an amateur, <laughs> like, Sunday league sort of league and was playing games in that because he was unhappy with his playing time. You know, he wanted to just play. I get it, right? Well, he got banned for life and kicked out of this league because he punched other players in the face and then also was in the league as a professional with a fake name. Oh, man. Only in MLS. It literally, like this or just an obscure, like, island country somewhere. <laughs> I love this. This... I, I do know what you're talking about. I remember now, but man, it just makes the league so fun with these kind of stories. <laughs> just crazy. Um, it makes me wonder what prompted in game in an amateur game, this professional player to just punch somebody in the face. And since then I've learned he has been released from Montreal, which makes sense. I don't think anybody would, uh, would want him on the roster if, uh, he was doing something like that. I can only imagine what kind of team might pick him up next. Maybe uh, Hitafe might have, have a go at him. Um, 
But, you know, <laughs> you got something to say? <laughs> that was out of left field. I was not <laughs> expecting that. Oh, man. he He's eligible for the U.S. national team. Sign him up. We can teach Gio Reyna a lesson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Such a weird week in MLS. Like, when the games are lacking in excitement, like... It's the, truly the best league in the world. The banter just takes a huge turn up. You gotta love the meme culture around MLS. Um, so that's all the games. Uh, minus Portland and Austin playing. Uh, Austin hosting the Timbers. It's happening about right now, actually. Right now, yeah. So we are missing that due to our recording schedule. So, yeah. And uh, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do our match predictions, and we are going to be done. What do we got first? Who's our first game here? St. Louis hosting LAFC, the two top teams in the West. I'm going LAFC 2-1 on the road. I think we're seeing what LAFC is made of again. Dennis Buonga. It's a goal. I'm going St. Louis 2-1. I think their home's a fortress, and I I feel like they're going to have a little bit of a bounce back. Yeah, couple, couple, maybe not bad results, but haven't won the last two. Had a disappointing game against LA Galaxy after being up 2-0 and not getting a win. Uh, I can see it. Another Joe Klaus, Jamie goal. I think this is where they... I mean, like you said, so they tied Houston, they tied Galaxy 2-2, they lost to SKC before that. I think this is where Bradley Carnell really kind of lays into the team and gets these guys fired up for a big game. Jared Strauss is going to be an absolute menace in this game. <laughs> you can already tell. He's going to go out just whining at the ref immediately. Houston Dynamo hosting Vancouver Whitecaps, and honestly a pretty good matchup which you could not say a lot of years. Um, yeah, both in a, kind of an upper table position, especially with a win. This would be huge for either team. I'm going Dynamo, 2-0 uh, at home. I think they're great at home. Banny Ball is flowing. Corey Baird is looking awesome. I'm also going to go with Houston. I'm going with the 1-0 game here, though. Um... Houston hasn't lost in the league since July 12th. Obviously, there's the League's Cup break in there um, where they... They lost a fluke game to Charlotte. All three of their group stage games went to penalties. They've tied a lot of games, dude. Since July 12th, they tied Colorado in league play. Then in League's Cup, they tied Orlando, tied Santos, tied Pachuca, lost to Charlotte, destroyed the Timbers. Beat RSL, lost to RSL, <laughs> and then they they just tied they tied LA Galaxy, tied St. Louis, beat Columbus recently as well. So this shows me that they're hard to beat, which is a great thing to have when you're like going on a cup run. They know? don't concede very many goals. I think their worst loss it looks like was Austin three nil. Oh, they lost to Vancouver six two earlier in the season, <laughs> but they also had a red card that game. Man, we're both going to be wrong, and Vancouver's just going to lay into them in Houston. Vancouver just loves to beat down on Houston, apparently. Um, yeah, I went Houston 2-0. Uh, Chase went 1-0 Houston. Last game, Sporting Kansas City hosting Nashville. I'm going 1-1. I think SKC 
is going to – I think they're going to be able to score, but I don't know. I want to go with Nashville the more I think about it because I think SKC, just they're going to be stopped. I can't imagine they are going to be able to put up much against Nashville, but the fact that they're home, their backs are against the wall, they have Peter Vermees hyping them up in the locker room. Um, I just think it's going to be a 1-1 game. I don't think they're good enough to beat Nashville. I think 1-0 Nashville. Gary Smith masterclass. They just went to Miami and uh, kept Messi in Miami off the scoreboard in Miami. I think they'll be able to handle Kyrie Shelton and the boys in uh, baby blue. No chance. Classic Nashville. I think they got a Haney Mukhtar-like counterattack. Breakaway goal. That wraps it up, though. 30 episodes of the MLS Net Boys. That's crazy. Weird to think about. We gotta do a episode thirty one special. Not thirty, just nope. thirty one. We're gonna choose like random like episodes to do specials on. Like the the seventy fourth episode special. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's it from us today. Um thank you all for listening. You got anything else to say before we If you so feel inclined Leave us a five-star review or an honest review. I would take any review, honestly. We've, we've seen some in the past. We really appreciate it. But let us know how we're doing. Tell us that we suck and that my burning of bridges is terrible. And I will call you out on our next podcast by name and also find your address. Anyways, that's it from us, guys. I want to know what happened in your personal life that's making you so... <laughs> Man, it's been a rough week, man. Uh, thank you all for listening. As always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.